Hello and welcome to Angel's Costumes Behind the Scenes. I'm Jeremy Angel. And I'm Jonathan Lippman. And I'm Richard Green. And today we are going to be airing my interview with Howard Burden. Howard's been around a long, long time. Um, he says 30 years, uh, and I take his word for that. And he's, I think, got some very, very interesting things to say. That makes sense, because I think I remember Howard as one of the costume team on a film called Diamond Skulls that Mary Jane Rayner costume designed. Another Wimbledon man. Yeah. We hope you've been enjoying these conversations. We've been enjoying your feedback. If you have any questions or queries, please send them to podcast.angels.co.uk. You can find us on our website, which is www.angelsbehindthescenes.com, or you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are forward slash costume podcast. And here is Richard's chat with Howard Burden. Hello, I'm Richard Green from Angels Costumes, and today I'm talking to the costume designer, Howard Burden. Howard, hi, how are you? Hi, hi, I'm very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, we're structuring these these podcast chats uh, around a certain number of questions, and primarily it's both to entertain and, and to give people who are thinking of coming into the business or who are interested in the business in some insights and things. So the first question fairly straightforward one is, how did you get into the business? Well, I did a degree in theatre design at Wimbledon School of Art and right. did quite a bit of theatre, a lot of fringe theatre down at Chichester and King's Head and the Lyric Hammersmith. And I was working on an exhibition for, it was actually for Anne Beverley, who was married to John Bloomfield. John Bloomfield's wife, yeah. of course, yes. And she, she taught at Wimbledon, didn't she, for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. 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 We did a couple of exhibitions. One of one of them, I think, was Six Wives of Henry VIII. At Hampton Court? No, no. It was oh. um, Tor Bay or somewhere bizarre. And okay. one, um, the Elizabeth, you know, he did the Glenda Jackson. Yes, Elizabeth. yes, indeed. So basically, in fact, I think you've still got a few of those costumes still in full we have, and you can identify them because one of the things he did a lot, of course, was use bleach on velvets. Um, so quite often, you, well, you'll know this, but quite often you can tell a John Bloomfield because it's got that sort of signature yeah. uh, patina to it, if you like. Uh, yeah. And they're really rotten, which is, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, indeed, yeah. yeah. You bleach something and 50-odd years or 40-odd years later, that's it's going to suffer a bit. But, no, I love and it was... And it Quite pioneering because they were all all the jewelry and stuff was made out of nuts and bolts. Yeah, and and plug chains and and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was terrific. So I was working um, with Anne on that, and a friend, uh, another theatre bod from Wimbledon, um, was working there, and he happened to know someone at the BBC called Andrew Papa Dimitri. They were old friends from Wimbledon. And right. it was about, you know, um, they, they had this scheme in the past where you had sort of holiday relief where you could just go and, you know, you either went into set design or costumes so on and so forth. And I applied. It was this sort of three-month contract. And I applied and got the contract, which was brilliant. And in fact, I ended up, I, I was probably there freelance. Well, I was there on contract for about three years in the end. And the first job I ever did was, um, much Ado About Nothing with lovely June Hudson. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Because they, they, they kept you on for three months and then they'd either extend it or if, yes. if the face didn't fit, presumably, they, they, they didn't extend it. But, yeah, it, it yeah. was possible to work at the BBC without being a BBC employee, oh, wasn't it, at that point? 
basically we yeah. were covering the BBC, you know, when they they had their full-time staff, you know, they had to take leave at a certain time. And there were, I mean, it was a time when there were about 60 full-time costume designers, which is an yeah. extraordinary amount of, and loads and loads and loads of assistants. And, you know, I, as I say, I, I was there solidly practically for three years um, on a freelance basis. And um, it was, it was an amazing time. I mean, it was, you know, never to be repeated really. No, no. That time. And, and, and one of the things that we we've said is that, you know, that the whole training system or the learning process that the BBC offered at that point, whether it was formal or informal, indeed, just learning on the job and, and learning with talented designers and, and you know, having, having to, to prove yourself Absolutely. was invaluable. And of course it doesn't exist anymore, which is no, it, kind of why we think we need to do these sort of things. Well, and, I agree. Uh, I even um, not that long ago worked on the, um, they used to do a sort of BBC Enterprise scheme where, again, post, uh, postgrad students would um, apply to, to get a bursary to work within the industry for a year or so. And you know, I can remember we had, like, at any one time, had like 700 applicants and we had to yeah. whittle it down to, you know, about 20 portfolios and then get down to the final 10. And then I think three people ended up with a bursary for a year where they get first-hand experience, they get design experience with working on production or working with various designers and it was fantastic um yeah and even that's gone now so it's yes you're absolutely yeah. right there is no real sort of interim from art school to the industry and it's sort of baptism by fire really it is isn't it i mean and again you know we we always accept the fact that we'll get a number of people coming to work with us who will work with us for two three four five years or so and then and then move on which is the way it should be yeah. you know obviously we 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 hope to keep to keep staff and and, and have a backbone of well i experience yeah. that but yeah i mean because i mean there, there will be um people that are, are very happy working within that you know that structure they want to work from yeah. nine to five five days a week um, they know the building, they know the stock, they know this, um, but they don't want to do those ridiculous filming hours or, you know, they don't want the, they want the stability rather than, yes. oh, I've got a yeah. job and then I might not work for six weeks or six months. You know, I, I can totally understand that. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, those that they are invaluable. I mean, they, you know, the people I've worked with and grown up. And, and again, there's lots of people who I, I had as um, trainees who are now, fully established working on, you know, big major productions. But you sort of, you know who you like to work with. You know, you get a sort of extent, really. Because, again, I mean, you know, a, a team is important, isn't it? And, um, Very much. you know, I'm thinking of, of you and Carly uh, as a team for, for, for a long time, which, oh, which yeah. worked very well. And um, yeah, I mean, you... 14, 14 years or something like that. Mm, and yeah. You know, we started off, I think Carly came in as a friend of a friend who come and do dailies. And then we did another production where she was the assistant. And, you know, we just have a, we have a really good working relationship. And, you know, she's gone on to bigger things, which is fantastic. I think, you know, given the right project, we'd obviously, you know, love to work together again. But, you yeah. know, build up that relationship. And it's great. I'm very loyal to my team. And I, I think that, you know, it's fantastic when you have a, a group of people that you can take from project to project. You never know what, what's what's next, whether it's contemporary or period or sci-fi or, you know, whatever. So yeah. it, 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 it's good. 
I, and I think, you know, it's 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 nice because every even now every job I do, you know, you're learning something new and different and exciting. Do you know the one thing that comes across um, with with these iPods talking talking to you guys is well a couple of things that come across. The first one is is how nurturing you are, how all of you actually want to encourage people coming into the business and bring people on, which yeah. I think is extraordinarily generous because I can imagine situations where people go, well, actually, you know, I better watch this one because otherwise the next well, time around, you know, yeah, which I, is. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I think, I think that's fantastic. And I also think the other thing that comes across very strongly is just how exciting and enthused you are by, 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 by the job, by, by what we do. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Oh, no. I mean, you know, it's, oh God, I've been doing it so long. You know, it's very, <laughs> very easy to get changes. I mean, the industry has changed a lot. We know that. And yep. there are a lot of um, youngsters coming in that immediately sort of get their graduation and they want your job. And they yes. get the apprenticeship that we all serve, most of us in my generation, you know, three, four, five years as an assistant, you know, low boot polisher, working your way up, um, yeah. working with a variety of really established um, designers. And I think that, uh, again, there's a lot of designers that, um, I mean, there's lots of people I have no idea who they are, you know, where they've come from. It's like, wow, suddenly, you know, who's that on the credit? And I go, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the same token, and I hope I don't want to get to that soon, but there's, you know, there are other people that sort of hang on to the job and you sort of think, actually, just you should be kind to yourself and just go and have a nice retirement. Yes. And maybe just go and enjoy, you know, because mm -hmm. it is stressful. It's got more uh, more complex. You're, you're a project manager, you're an accountant, you're a psychologist, you're all of those HR. things. Yeah, computer so, expert. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so for me, it's key to have people that, yeah, I'm very hands-on, will wash socks the same as anybody else, if it means we yeah. can walk the bus at the end of the day a bit earlier. But I like yeah. to feel that everyone has a role to play, that everyone has um, an input, and, you know, you're all part of that bigger team, you know, yeah. within the costume department. And, that, and then also you're part of that bigger team of you know set and makeup and the whole sort of thing it's a, it's a big old traveling circus really yes it is it is and um and I, I think it is amazing that you actually do nurture your team in that way and, and and recognize that because i think certainly there are examples of people that really don't seem to have a huge amount of concern for the for the people that they're working I agree, and I think that for me, I think that's terribly sad because mm. I think the whole part of, of, of doing the job. I mean, for me personally, when I get given a project, the, the most enjoyment I get out is, is doing the research, doing the mood boards, doing the designing. When you've got the luxury of putting pen to paper and actually sketching the thing out, then you go into the process of sampling and getting your fabrics and stuff, and that's when your team come on board. And I love doing crowd extras as much as I do the principles. I think you can get a real sense of, you know, even though you're never going to, not really to be seen, it's just subliminal in the background. But if you have that input, and in that respect, your assistants can really have their bit of input in it and feel like they've been part of it. Yeah, part of the creative design yeah. design process. Yeah. yeah. When you when you first get a project, what sort of excites you? Is it is it 
the person? Is it the director? Is it is it the the period? How does, oh, how does no. that work? For me now, it has to be the script. And right. I, they they come through the door, and I sort of know within the first six pages whether it's for me. I mean, I, I recently I did a contemporary drama, Young Wallander, or Young Wallander. Yes. Valanda, yes, indeed. Uh, yes. The script, that, you know, first first ten pages, because I, I got it and I went, oh no, contemporary police drama, me, really? Mm. Oh dear. Just read through and I went, oh my god, this is actually really good. And um, it was very clever and very, you know, very good script. And that was a real departure because I just spent the past oh five six years going from pole dart to uh, War of the World to. Uh, my mainstay, you know, Red Dwarf to Zaps, you know, so from mm. fiction to period, strict period to period with a twist, you know, that sort of thing. So very much more of my sort of theatre background, my much more my comfort zone in a way. So yes. it was good to, to push the boundaries and, yeah, to actually sort of put your mind into sort of contemporary clothing you know because at the end of the day it's it's all the same job you're you're creating a character you're finding out you know and if somebody's wearing a particular coat or it's a particular piece of jewelry it's personal to that character it's right it's never you don't, you don't want it to spring out but it's it's part of their persona in a way so yes you're you know you're doing the same the same job as if you're doing a period whereas period you you've got to do a bit more research you've got to know what you're the look, the silhouette that you're trying to create. And then also you then, of course, you then, you have your ideas, but then you've got to encompass the, the vision of the director and what he wants. And he may want, period. But, I mean, I've, I've done so many productions, particularly sort of 1940s, and suddenly the director says, oh, I don't want them wearing hats. I don't want them wearing hats outside. You, think, you know, she's in uniform. Mm. And you sort of go, well, it's that's your choice. <laughs> you know, and you can fight the battle, but you kind of, yeah. that's kind of their vision. But um, all of the, the jobs that I, you know, as I say, the, the reason was, you know, even like Dwarf, which I've, we've been, I've been doing that, that was the first costume design job I ever did as a as a designer and that was over 30 was it I was I, I, I wasn't sure about that because I, I know you've been associated with Dwarf for a long 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 time um so that was your first kind of designer gig was it I worked up in BBC Manchester for a costume designer called Inez Nordell lovely Inez yeah I know Inez, and yeah. they had this sci-fi drama that uh, you know it, it had the second season but the, the viewing figures had gone down and basically they were going to scrap it. So they had this third season and basically I, the boys said, look, you know, we want to redesign the whole thing, new sets, new costumes, blah, blah, blah. And of course it was, for, it was, it was a gift. I mean, it was just to take the yeah. iconic characters, that, well, not even iconic at that point, but take the No, I was going to say, I mean, it, it, you know, it was the three-handers. What on earth is this all about at first? Ships. It was just trying to, yeah. and I got all my old Women's School of Art mates, and I can remember taking yeah, Lister's leather jacket around the car park, dragging it around, trying to break it down. <laughs> and you know, it was one of those jobs that, well, it was it was my first design, and I had no idea. I don't think any of us did the, the longevity of it and mm. how generations of come and grown up with it and people it's one of those jobs it's a bit like marmite they either love it or hate it 
And yeah. when my kids were little, Ollie used to call it, oh, daddy, you know, you're doing that Starbug program. And I used to think, yeah. and yet now, you know, he went recently met Doug in the edit suite because he's applied and in fact just got into uh, the London Screen Academy and um, Brit School to do film studies. And it was so weird being at Pinewood with Doug in the edit suite with my 17-year-old son talking about the the technique now, which is so sophisticated. And I, was, I sat back and thought, God, this is just really weird. Yeah. Hey, we were sticky back plastic and wobbly well, model, yeah, Presumably you're sort of models and flying on flying on wires and all that yeah. stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, again, it was one of those jobs and it was getting towards the end of the BBC as it, as it was. I mean, we used to do um, Paul Jackson at the time was exec producer and I remember we used to go for a read through at, at um, North Acton. This is, I can't remember which series it was. And, and then suddenly we'd get on a plane and fly to Manchester to do a pre-record day, a live studio, and then come back again. Um, yeah. It was funny, you know, two years later, we were on an overnight bus. And then... <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to keep the licence fee payers happy somehow. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but it, you know, it's, it, I talked, I mean, because all of like, Lovely Peter Rag, who was the props and yes, um, yes, Al Bibby, yes. you know, production. Of course, they're no longer with us. So no, because no. I came in when Crichton season three, when Crichton first became a real character. Yeah, yeah. They were all young kids. They were, you know, one was living in a squat, one was doing this. We kind of grew up together. It's one of those weird things that when we come back, it, we all, we're all old and uglier and very odd, um, and it's lovely, you know. And I. People say, oh, well, you know, you can do... I can't think of anyone else doing Dwarf. If they, no. And if they suddenly went, hey, we're going to do Red Dwarf the movie, and I was not part of anything, I'd feel gutted. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it's very much yours, isn't it? Yeah. Very and much it, yours. And it's... Yeah. And you can see, I, I recently had to... My agent was nagging about... I hadn't got a, a website. She said, oh, darling, you know, you don't have a website there. You've got to have a website. And so with my teenage kids ollie and kitty and karen we put together this website which took it off the off the internet and just finding pictures and reference of all all the stuff you know because you look on imdb and i and i look always look and think oh i've done 45 credits oh yeah that's interesting you know but when you go back and look at the stuff and then find the visuals of things you work on god yeah there's episodes certainly of dwarf I've, that they've shown on dave I can't even remember doing. You know, I look and go, really? Did we do that? Well, maybe it's a case of if you can't remember, if you if you can remember Red Dwarf, you weren't there. You know, perhaps it's like the rock and roll years, Howard. I wanted to ask you about the uh, the Doctor Who bit as well, because yeah. you you basically were the Peter Capaldi Doctor designer, weren't you? I was. I mean, I I, yep. I came in at the Matt did Matt Smith's last series. Yeah. In between, we did the 50th with lovely John Hurt, gorgeous mm-hmm. John Hurt. And then, obviously, Peter came in as, as the new Doctor, and I launched his um, the first series with him. So I, I did three years yeah. sort of holding the baton of, of Doctor Who. I mean, it was, I loved Doctor Who. I mean, it, you know, it was a terrific, again, very creative process, not not an unlimited budget. People think, oh, you know, you've got so much money, but things are always tight. It's a BBC television budget. And every episode often offered different challenges. And as time went on, you know, I'd be taking on more and more of the sort of more 
sort of prop costume, more robotic stuff, which had always gone out to Millennium or somebody else because it was just a, a cost thing. But yeah, yeah, it was it was it was really fun to be part of that um, part of the, the the Doctor Who sort of family for the you know for those three years. It was yes, yes. And I mean, you and I, I remember you talking to me at the time about you know the fact that you and he were were discussing his look and what he wanted and and oh, what, very much. What, what you thought should it should be, and that that is very much a collaborative process, isn't it? Bringing the actor with you, yeah, um, oh, to your I mean, bizarrely, yeah. in while I was, I had some time off, and I went to help Phoebe De Gay on the Musketeers. I went out to help set up the uh, the diary, the workshop, because we're old friends, and she said all oh, yeah. of. Do you want to come out? And of course, Peter was playing Richelieu in in The Musketeers. And I happened to cover a photo shoot for Radio Times and the whole thing about the new Doctor, who's who it's going to be. And I think Rory Kinnear was top top running for the for the role and you know, gone to various people. And I remember we did this photo shoot and Peter in full costume sat in his chair and sort of looked with his and said, so, do they know who the new doctor is? A terrible accent, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, and, of course, I, I had no idea. And I said, look, Peter, I, I, I've got absolutely no idea. I didn't even know who Clara Jenna Coleman was going to be until I saw her on Breakfast News. You know, that's yeah. our secret of my world. I said, oh, we, we, we don't know, but it's it's whoever gets it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out. And... Few weeks went on, and I think I got. A, we were filming towards Matt's sort of finale episode, and it was announced. It was going to be announced on the BBC the, who the new Doctor was. And um, it was a big thing. I think I, was it a big football match or something? And they were. It was an interval, and they were going to announce who the new Doctor was. And I literally got a phone call twenty minutes before before the time saying. It is actually Peter Capaldi, <laughs> and I remember, oh God, I hope I didn't say anything terrible. But, you know, <laughs> do you think he, he must have known then at that point? Do you think it, when he was, it, like, yeah? No, but yeah. He, I, he told me afterwards it was such a joy because the oh. only person that knew was him and his agent, and his agent had phoned him up. He couldn't even tell his family; couldn't tell anybody. Gosh, and she literally phoned up and said, "Hello, doctor." So he knew he got the role. Um, nice. He said it was so lovely to be able to talk to somebody about Doctor Who because it was it was a couple of weeks before this thing was announced. But yeah, he I mean Peter had really strong ideas. Obviously, it's, it's such a, an iconic thing. That, and I have to say, of all the things that were designed, I don't think I've ever had so much attention on one particular costume ever yeah. in my life. Yeah. And I can remember. As part of the 50th, we were invited to Buckingham Palace, get you, Mrs. And mm. um, there was a, a, part, a sort of party thing. And even there, I was approached by the head of BBC Drama or somebody. So he said, what, what's the look? What's the look? We hadn't even, he hadn't even thought about it at the time. And so, you know, we, we went through a massive, massive process of trying on stuff from every costume house, every different look. We went to fashion designers. We went to obscure uh, sort of sci-fi thing, references from the past. And, mm. yeah, what, it was it was a very interesting process. Not an easy one, I have to say. So no real pressure then, Howard, on you at all? Oh, no. No, not at all. 
and it, you know, it was it was one of those that we went down a certain path, and it it just when 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 the results came, it just didn't work, and let's leave it at that. So we actually mm. had to redo the look in. About, I think I had five days to turn this thing around Gosh. before the press launch of who the new doctor was with the new look, so on and so forth. And it's, you know, in hindsight, you, you look back and think, oh, would I have done that? Or should we have done this? Blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's it's something that comes and goes and it, and it and it evolves and it changes and you put your mark on it and you move on. And I mean, Doctor Who was, was brilliant. I loved working on the 50th. John Hurt, again, was a fantastic actor to work with. And, you know, I didn't realise he was ill at the time. I don't think any of us did. But he didn't want to travel over for a fitting and so I literally took a rail of stuff down and we kind of stuff I'd had made and you know, and we sort of threw this thing together on the day it was a day before we started filming and we found this sort of sort of war horse sort of soldiery kind of look and he loved it and it was brilliant and I remember he he said he said I was he said good now I know what I look like I better go and learn my lines brilliant and that whole thing of creating Gallifrey again through through fresh eyes through somebody yeah bring it to the table but yeah it was yeah. great there was fantastic episodes and of course it it was funny because I, I mentioned I worked with June Hudson first designer I ever worked with and we both about two years ago were invited to LA to Gallifrey this I think I may have told you that this weekend event of Doctor yes. Madness. And it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary the amount of work that people put into cosplay and just the whole sort of bandwagon that goes along with it. Much bigger yeah. than the States, I think. But yeah, it, gosh. And, and I think probably, I think one of my proudest, can I say that? Yeah. I remember when we did the, the there was a concert at the Royal Albert Hall. It's the 50th anniversary tribute to Doctor Who and I can remember arriving they were rehearsing and the massive screen was up and the orchestra were just you know, Royal Philharmonic I think they were playing Doctor Who theme tunes around and it was all this I remember sitting there and I was I got quite emotional it was just weird seeing the work on such a big screen with this orchestra and I thought it just doesn't get any better than that really no no, that's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. Really yeah. yeah, and that and that theme tune. I mean, you know, instantly recognisable and and iconic. Yeah. And as soon as those first two W Dums come in, you know, you, you know where you are. Exactly. I yeah. tell you, it was funny though because I was, I remember leaving that night and there was a massive crowd waiting for Matt Smith to come out. So we sort of went out through the back door, and I went down South Ken on the tube. And someone had got a program with pictures, and there was a funny. I could just see a picture of me on this program, which is red. And this this bloke opposite kept sort of looking at me, and I was thinking, oh, a bit odd, you know, a bit strange. And yeah. went all the way to Wimbledon, and I kept getting this look. And as we got out the tube in Wimbledon, this stalker, bless him, not a stalker, got out. And he went, "Excuse me, are you Howard Burden?" I went, uh, "Yeah." He went, "I really admire your work on Doctor Who," and I was like. No, oh, nice, very nice. Thankfully, he went up the hill and I went down. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's leave it like that. Yeah. Thank you very much for the nice things. Yes, it's you, isn't it? Yes, it's definitely me. <laughs>
You mentioned the costume houses. Again, how important is that relationship to you? Um, oh, I know you make a lot, and I know that, you know, various things that Doctor Who monsters and Red Dwarf things aside, you you know, you, you, you're known for, for, for making costumes, but the, the rental side. It's, I mean, you can't do the job without it. You really, mm. you really can't. And the thing I was, I was, what I mentioned before about having a hands-on about, you know, extras and things, I mean, every job you do, whatever period you do, you have to get to know that stock. You have to re-look at that stock. And sometimes you can go up and down the rails and go, oh, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing. And then you have to go back again and go, oh, well, maybe this could work or maybe if we change this, you know. I mean, I love putting together, you know me, I, I like to have the space mm-hmm. upstairs and get rails of rags and put together stuff, even on the yeah. Galloway Doctor Who, putting together the most incredible, weird, sort of sort of eclectic mix of stuff. And I, I, I love the costume houses. I think that you're never short of inspiration. Things will crop up. You'll find something out of the blue that will suddenly spin you off. I mean, even when I was doing Poldark, I remember finding um, Ang Harrod Reese's original uh, dress from Poldark back in the 70s and taking photos of it and going, oh, my God, this is, you know, this is so weird. And what else? Oh, there was another. I, I think when I was doing Dad's Army, the lost episode. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. We found um, we- yeah, we we were obviously we with the army, the uniform, utility army uniform, because originally the series that we were replacing were pre, they were black and white, and it was yeah. pre before they got their proper uniform. But we're all kind of a mishmash of uniforms and getting. Obviously, you've got to do the the badges and the the ranking and corporate chains. All that stuff has got to be researched and done properly, and so that was fun. But then. There were obviously there were scenes that involved civilian clothing and trying to be you know recreate uh, things from the past, and there was obviously one scene where Captain Mannering was in his tweed suit and he had his gas mask and he turns up Corporal James, Corporal James, blah, blah, blah. and you know we I was pulling together again because it was tight, no prep time hardly, and it was tight budget, yeah. and we were putting together these suits, and I found this three-piece suit that actually wasn't technically in the 40s section i think it was probably a bit later but it 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 was it was going to fit and i thought we can we can fudge the edges you know we're not making a documentary i need a three-piece tweed suit this one happens to be not in the right period section but i like it you know put it on the rail and i remember looking and checking out the sizing so on and so forth and i remember turning to carly saying Oh my gee, look at this. And inside the label was obviously the Arthur Lowe Dad's Army. And it was from the uh, it was from the Dad's Army movie. It was the film, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. Was the film. yeah. And I remember thinking this is just in the lap of the gods. And I took this suit to to the fitting and put on the actor and said, You're never gonna believe this, you know, and showed him. And he's since um Retold the story many times that it's you know which is mm. weird. It was one of those really fruitful sort of things. It's quite spooky, actually, isn't it? When you think about it. Yeah. No. I mean, I do quite often come across things that I did years ago that are in 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 the rails there. Things I worked on at the BBC, um, mm. old um, Scarlet Pimpernel stuff. You know, because you you re 
you go back to that period, you're looking at stuff that's that, that, that's there that every designer has put in, and occasionally you go, oh, this looks quite familiar. I like the look of this. Oh, of course, it was one of mine. Uh, mine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like the fact that designers still refer to them as one of mine. Okay, well, yeah, actually, strictly speaking, it does, but yes, we'll, we'll let you rent it again. That's not a problem. And, and you're right, what you said earlier about John Bloomfield's um, costumes from, from Henry. Yeah. I can spot John Bloomfield Cosy's mm. 20 paces. I I yeah. admire his work, always have done. And, yes. and what a nice guy. I mean, oh, he and Anne. Yeah. yeah, I saw them a couple of years back. I think it was at a um, Cosy function thing. Mm. And uh, we were sort of, you, you've still got to reminisce because we're talking now you know, 40 years ago, you know, yeah. back to college. They, they came to that exhibition we had in Brick Lane. Um, that was the last time I think I saw John. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he's runs his. He's got a pub in the country. I think he's himself. got two, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, a couple. A couple of times I've stopped asking, but a couple of times they've been looking for designers, and I've said to John, "Are you interested?" No. 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 And I think, like you said earlier, again, Howard, it's time to you know, you know when it's time to stop. Yeah. No. I mean, because you know, I mean, when we were at college, he was doing Waterworld and working on major big productions. Yeah. Big yeah. Working for Dino De Laurentiis, you know, where you were sort of held to ransom by the studio and Flash Gordon. Yes, exactly. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you sort of, um, you know, but I think there does come a time where, you know, that whole getting up half past four and doing those long, mm. you know, those long weeks of shooting, I think does take its toll, particularly if you've got a family and. You sort of think, actually, why am I doing this? I'm doing this ultimately so that we can. Yeah, you know, I mean, people don't get me wrong. I think it's it's a it's a fantastic job, but I think the parameters have changed so much that one has to adapt, and you've really got to keep that spark and the enjoyment going because there, there are far too many people in the industry that just moan for Britain, and you just go, why do you do it? Why put yourself through it? Don't just go and do something else. Have a nice life, but. All, all the time we're enjoying it. I think that's that's the key thing. I think you're absolutely right. I think as long as it's fun, yeah, totally on doing it. And as long as you can, as long as you can approach everything with a an enthusiasm and a sort of a fresh eye and go, yeah, this is a new challenge. Looking exactly. forward to this one. Your hours, the hours you do are grueling. I mean, all of yeah. you, you know, that it's 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 crazy times. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the only thing is that you know that you know it's it's going to happen for a finite amount of time, and then then you will stop whether you want to or not. You'll be stopping yeah. for a little while. No, exactly. So. I, you know, I think any, anyone. I mean, my children are sort of twelve and seventeen, so they're heading toward. But I I still got to keep keep working. You know, I should be carrying on till I'm probably in, in my bath chair. <laughs> <laughs> Poking people irritably with your stick, going, "That's not right." Change I'd love that. to be around angels in a bath chair with a stick. <laughs> and I, I do, I do have to say that it's it's great because you sort of pop your head in my office and go, "Right, I'm just here to um, I'm just here to pull out a or oh, about ten sort of townsfolk love. I shan't be very long. I probably uh, probably need them booking out in a couple of hours' time. Yeah. And in two hours' time, you know, there's a rail of costumes complete with the accessories, and you yeah. just you've been in and done it. You haven't sent somebody in to do it. You've actually been in to do it. Yourself. No, it, and it's thing. It's like um, 
it's the years and years. I mean, things get moved around, but in a way that's a bit like Marks and Spencer. You know, you go to where the frozen peas are. And think, the frozen peas always used to be here. Why aren't they here? <laughs> it means you've got to go and look. For, but it's it's getting a sort of map. But it's it's just getting to, you kind of have a sixth sense. You know that stock. You begin to, over the years and years, you get to know that stock. Things come in, go out. I've quite often gone in looking for a specific item that I remember seeing going, oh, where's that coat? I know it's down here somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And that's the weird sort of thing. So you know when you're doing a certain period, you kind of know where the where the um, strengths are. and mm, The key pieces. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, I've, I've certainly done things where the, I think with War of the Worlds, they wanted to do a reshoot six weeks on weeks and weeks after we finished. I remember. Oh my god. And it was like the most amazing jigsaw puzzle of putting together items that had all gone back in the ethers. And yeah. It's just extraordinary. Yeah. But you kind of you're tenacious, you go through yeah, it's it, it is something you just you you have to spend time there. That's the thing. And I think a lot of youngsters um do they spend a lot of time quite rightly on their laptops and their iPads and and I do find that quite frustrating at times because you sort of think it's all here, it's all on a rail somewhere and they want to buy everything on the internet. And I go, it just kind of doesn't work. You need to get in there because you're going to find something down those rails. You can't, you think, oh, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There'll always be something, even if it's a base on which you can work on. Yeah, that's a very interesting point, actually, how the whole sort of concept of, well, we'll go out and buy it. I'm not 100% convinced in many instances you can go out and buy it in the right size and the right colour and the right condition that no. you want. But, no, um, no, it's 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 not possible. It's you yeah. know, it'd be very interesting when we do, when we're allowed back to work, the whole process of, of sampling and getting fabrics and getting clothes and doing returns, you know, this is a whole new ball game that we're going to go into. Um, Like you guys, I mean, how does one take 50 period costumes and do this whole thing of health and safety? You know, one has to use Mm. sense, but at the end of the day, it is, it's, you know, one can only do what one can do, you know, by, by certain health and safeties, but you can't take a period Elizabethan frock and wash it overnight and keep it in isolation for 72 hours. No, exactly right. Well, I was talking to Jill Taylor earlier and um, and she said she thinks it might be, you know, it, if it slows things down a little bit, if it slows the process down, it can only be a good thing. Just give I, us all a little bit more time to kind of think I about agree. this. Thing. I absolutely agree. I think she's hit the nail on the head because the the what was happening is that with the explosion of Netflix and Sky and the big sort of money people... There was so much, it was quantity, not quality. And I think that you need that sort of additional, you need your 10 weeks to do the design concept, to know what you're looking for, to pull the stock, to see where the gaps are, to look further afield, to actually go through that whole sort of process. Whereas, you know, we were getting down to the, okay, you've got like sort of four weeks and you've got to pull it out the bag and, you know, I know you will because that's what that's what that's what you do. And the whole thing of casting the night before, I mean yeah, yeah. classic. You get actors turn up on a train to Bristol the night before you do a fitting and they'd be on camera the next day. And that's why you have to have a massive amount of stock to draw on because you literally with the, you're pulling stuff together as as you as you go along. So 
yeah, it'll be interesting. Very interesting. It will. But I think I think what you've said about the the whole people learning their craft and you know it isn't just a case of looking up stuff on the internet or looking at pinterest images some of which i think i have to say need to be treated with a great deal of caution one of my concerns is that we're getting pictures of reenactors uniforms and they're being sort of taken as oh yes correct ones you know and and, yeah. and you can't do that you can't um, no pinterest and all of those they're they're brilliant because yes. they're, your, they're your library of their immediate and I can find an image that will send me off to something else that will give me some sort of creative stimulus. But you've got to know the period. You've got to know your basics. You yeah. You, know, you yeah. Need to sort of know those silhouettes. You've got to know the shapes. You've got to know the sort of texture. You can use those facilities on the internet that will help, but they're not the answer. You're absolutely right, because you mm -hmm. can come a cropper. And, yes. you know, yeah. they're not the go it's not the gospel. And, yes, if they, you know, there seems to be a real trend for, well, I hate period with a twist, where it's kind of... Oh, period with a twist. You know, well, don't do it. Don't do... do <laughs> why do it period <laughs> at all? You know, it just doesn't, doesn't comprehend. So yeah. there's a big sort of in vogue for that. But, you know, if you're going to do something, yes reinterpret it see it with your own eyes but you've got to go back to the base and you need to go and see go and look at those paintings look at the whole mm. model. look at any look at real images i mean i yes. always think photographs original photographs for me are my gospel i love original photos they only go down to a certain period beyond that you look at your paintings and your paintings yeah. are rich gentry and hot people and so you know you'll have an idea of the poor or hand-me-downs. I would mm. tell people, you know, when we do a period, you can go back 30, 40, nearly 50 years of older stuff because it's hand-me-down. It would have happened until it fell apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no there's no buying it for this this season and then getting rid of it and buying another set for the next season. No, no, not at all. And with a lot of most costume houses, you know, you will you there will be things in there that you will look at and go, really? Really? But then back in the 1970s, when this stuff was being made, it was pioneering, great. it was absolutely right then. It's not right now. Um, yes, you're talking about the furnishing fabric dresses and... Yeah, all of, all of that. So mm. you're, you're not making a documentary, you're making a drama, you're making giving a feel, an essence. But essentially, the costume should be irrelevant almost. It's almost it's about the performance, it's finding the, per, the character... And you're kind of just helping along that process. Yeah, yeah. Now you and I are both hoping that Ollie gets a real job so he can employ us in the in, in, <laughs> our, in our in our twilight years. Oh, but if either of, if either of your two did decide that they want to do what Dad does, yeah. what what one piece of advice? Just one piece of advice. I mean, you've touched on so many pieces, but what yeah. one piece of advice would you give him, Howard? Oh God, I think you you need to learn from. Learn from every everybody you work with. You can learn something. You can take something from from whatever job you do and use it to your advantage. Because I think yeah. there's a wealth of talent. There's a wealth of experience out there, and you can't you can't get experience like off the internet, off the page. Stories, ideas, inspiration. Just you, you're like a, they they need to be like a sponge. They need to just absorb and then go off on their own. Go off on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And you've said earlier that, you know, you have people that have come in as juniors and you've seen them move on. And, and yeah. again, our role partly, you know, 
both in house and ours, is 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 nurturing, isn't it? It is bringing on the the, the, the youngsters and the the people who are coming into the industry. Well, exactly, and it's across the board. It's like every I think of all the talented, you know, all those people that I grew up with, all the. I don't know, the Miss Rules who dyed feathers. People were the of that, of this woman up in the attic with this cauldron with her cigarette and just, you know, making the most amazing things. All these talented tailors and hat makers yeah. and all the resource, all those places that used to go, I'd be sent off dispatched to, oh, go and buy some buttons. So you go off to various, like the button queen or whatever, that's mm-hmm. no longer there. You know, all these people that, oh, I, I don't know if they're there, but several of these suppliers have ceased to exist. And a lot of those fantastic technicians aren't there anymore. And it's, you know, there is very much that sort of factory mentality of you just, you're part of a small cog in a big chain, you know, and you've got to churn it out. Whereas there was a wealth of talent. And I think nurturing that is key to the future of this industry. Otherwise, yeah. it will be, oh, well, we'll just all ship it in from, from China and we'll get it mass-produced elsewhere or, or they'll just CGI crowd scenes and so on and so forth. But that's not going to work. No, I completely agree with you, I think. Um, and it is sad that so many of those little niche businesses that used to exist around Soho and, and the West mm. End and indeed the East End there mm. have, have just gone, haven't they? You know, yeah. it's just... No, yeah. it's absolutely true. And even with with stock, you look at the stock, and there's a there's a lifespan to it. And within yeah. probably twenty years, all those nineteen forties frocks will just be rotten. They won't be yeah. able to use them because they're yeah. you know they're made of polyester or silver, and they've just rotted. They're not wrapped in paper. They've they've had a life. And you can't buy that stuff. You can't replace it anymore because there are a few dealers that will, but they're very expensive. But not that scale of stuff, all those 30s dresses. So there's whole periods of things that you think, oh, okay, so when we do a big 1930s, there will have to be a lot more makes because they're too fragile, the stuff, the original. Yeah. Um, well, and of course, size is nothing we've not, we've not discussed, you know. Exactly. That, I, I, I mean, I've got friends recently who've worked on sort of 1970s, 80s productions. And, you know, all these young actors, these gym bunnies that come out, just can't get the bodies in them. They're too tiny. You know, it's, it's, it's all the proportions. We're a, a different sort of shape altogether. So that has a huge sort of bearing on 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 your work, really. Yes, yeah. Well, so, so to sum up, it ain't getting any easier. Uh, we still love it and um, wouldn't choose anything else. Did anybody, just curious, in careers, was anybody trying to steer you into this or did they all want you to go do insurance or banking or? No, I used to, um, I, I did a foundation at Maidstone College of Art. And right, but before that, when you were at school, I mean. Oh, yeah, no, I was always into drama. And I was really torn between following the drama school or the art school thing. I was involved mm-hmm. with a lot of theatre productions, did a lot of, um, there was a lovely lady called Rosemary Hawthorne, who used to do these period fashion shows, you know, and I was involved with that. And I was torn between acting and then, of course, at that stage, like, oh, no, 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 it's very unstable, very unstable. You know, follow follow the, the theatre, you know, design. Mm. And it just seemed the natural progression. And it, I quite often look at my passport and when, you know, look at the profession, I think, how did that happen? You know, it was by... <laughs> 
so no, it was it was all it was kind of always there. I always knew I wanted to be part of it. Well, that, that's great because quite often in these things, people are saying, "Well, I had no idea this existed, and I didn't know that you know you could do these things." And mm. um, I think it was, uh, I think it was Giles Gale said, "You know, my my careers advisor told me to go into banking, and you know that was kind of what they wanted." So it's it's great that you actually identified that early and 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 pursued it and i think i think the world of acting's lost something howard i mean you've done three impressions <laughs> in the course of this and they work for me dressing up as a child listen this has been great i've really enjoyed this thank oh, you so much no i appreciate appreciated I, all of the people that i'm talking to the enthusiasm and the and the and the and the love of the a love of the business is is coming across, and I think that's so important, so so important. If you're oh. in this as a job, you think you're going to earn money. Yeah, you might earn some money, but you really won't enjoy it. I know exactly, and it's yeah, and in this this time, this time off is as I think it's been healthy. It's been a really healthy mm. to reevaluate, to sort of think about. I'm I'm gagging to get back to work. I you know. Hopefully, Wurzel, we, we, we're hoping... Yes, we didn't even talk about Wurzel, did we? That, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we hope to start uh, prepping in about four weeks. And it's... Mm. Uh, they've BBC have commissioned four uh, one-hour, but we'll only do... We were going to do two, but I think we'll just do one because of the logistics of crowds and social... You know, distancing, and distancing stuff. yeah. yeah. Um, so, but we... Um, fingers crossed, we will do that, and it's for um, Christmas. I, you know, we did... I showed on Boxing Day last year. So it, it'll be a new uh, Wurzel Gummage for Christmas, which I nice. which is brilliant, and I'm very happy to be stuck out in the field, social distancing from everybody. <laughs> I'm so glad you talked about Red Dwarf with Howard. It's something I've always loved, and it's been it's it's something I've just always known. That that's Howard's. I know he didn't do the first two seasons, but whenever I see Dwarf, I always think it's a Howard show. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's very very obvious that Howard thinks it's a Howard show as well, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is which is absolutely right. I mean, it's quite interesting what he says about them all sort of getting older. You know, the rock and roll years are probably gone now. But um, well, you build but, you yeah. build up a relationship. It's a bit like the relationship that Hazel Pethick has with the Monty Python group. Mm. Yes. And yes. then, therefore, a shorthand is established quite early on and you're able to respond appropriately to the requirements rather than constantly having to, you know, it, it, it doesn't become, it's not a political issue, it's more, it's more collaborative. Yeah, yeah. I'm very interested in the, um, the class of, you know, whatever it was, 19... 80 something in yeah. terms of the in terms of who came out of Wimbledon at that time and what what they have what the uh, students on that year have subsequently gone on to achieve of, of which Howard is one of them and I think that it's, it reflects well on on various schools at various points in their mm. you know in terms of the education structure and, and and who and who is who is teaching in those colleges at the at that particular time and then subsequently who who comes who comes out of that and then goes on to achieve you know acclaim and fame yeah it's like a sort of burst of talent isn't it just sort of going push you know there, yeah. there they are from that particular era and, and yeah and hornsey had had a moment and mm, royal yeah. college had a moment and it's it's i think it's it must be down to who's teaching as well as yeah. funding yeah yeah and inspiring yes 
Yes. What I got from the interview, which is like when you see him as well, is just how happy and in, how much enjoyment he gets out of doing it. He's always he's always happy to be pulling and he's always happy to be doing something with costume. It's it's always great to see him. He's just a yeah, very infectiously happy person most of the time. Yeah, and I've said this before about other people, but again, he's one of those sort of people that I'm sure he I'm sure he can go and when he goes it must be quite scary, but generally he seems fairly sort of placid and, and you know of course he's of course he's internally stressed and he's you know he's up against it but but most of the time he seems fairly sort of serene doesn't he maybe we just have that calming effect yeah, maybe, yeah or, <laughs> or maybe he thinks we need to see that yeah um, it's that feely way that we've got in the, in the diffusers and, and i did like as well that as, as amy mentioned in your interview with amy again about just the, the the pressure with the doctor who fans that come along and about the amount of people who suddenly know who you are just because of that tv series which is quite incredible and, and so much so that someone followed him home almost. well yes yes i loved his bit about he went up the hill and i went down the hill yes. at wimbledon so you know that was that was enough <laughs> and he's done some iconic tv and everyone as you as even mentioned I mean, dad's army the new series he did poldark wells of gummage red dwarf we've always mentioned doctor who he did robin hood as well and yeah, he's yeah. done some incredible projects over the years and he's always lovely to to work with no it was it was a great interview um really enjoyed it and the next interview we are going to be releasing is my interview with matt price Uh, matt price is a costume designer he started off as as a costumer at angels in the contemporary department was there with nat bart uh, who we've already spoken to and i think ian fulcher was there as well uh it was a great conversation we talk about a lot of things i talk we talk about a few of the things matt's worked on and his take on things so i i hope you'll enjoy it and here is a small extra of my conversation with matt price i mean it's quite daunting number one because you kind of think you know is it too soon to touch on this subject but really with the the story kind of based from dominic cummings point of view to a degree i don't think a lot of people had really heard of too much about him at the time Obviously now we kind of he's uh, in the news every other day, as it were. But so there's a certain sensitivity to how we approach that, and you, you could almost look at a project like that and just say, well, it's just men in suits, really. But actually, all those characters wear their clothes for specific reasons. You know, you've only got to look at someone like Farage, for example, with the sort of the '90s bank manager look that he's got. It's um, everything is sort of contrived within the wardrobes for those guys. There's a narrative within the clothing, and um, and it's. I think it really shows in that piece as well, really. Just the sort of the fine touches within each character. They're all there for a reason, basically. And even if you're playing with characters that are, that you have the footage of these characters, it doesn't mean that you can't tweak them in that moment. 